Hello, I'm Laura Hamilton. Welcome to Book Larder Podcast, where we share author talks from the kitchen of Seattle's community cookbook shop. It should come as no surprise that I love cookbooks. I mean, why would I dedicate an entire store to them if I felt anything but complete joy when opening a new one? I will admit, though, that sometimes the pace at which they're released can feel overwhelming. And I sometimes wonder if perhaps every subject related to cooking has been covered, at least in English. Today's book and guests remind me that when it comes to national cuisines, and particularly regions within nations, there's so much more to explore and learn. Today we're talking Armenian cuisine with Kate Leahy and Arazada and their new book, Lavash. Kate is a food writer and longtime friend of the shop, and Ara is an L.A.-based Armenian-American chef. Together with photographer John Lee, they set out to capture what food in Armenia looks like today through the lens of its ubiquitous bread, lavash. Kate and Ara visited our kitchen in November 2019 to discuss how the book came together, their exploration of regional Armenian dishes, and their adventures writing a book in the midst of a revolution. Here's Kate Leahy and Arazada and Lavash. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I know it's a hectic time of the year, and it's a weekday in November, so we really it, appreciate is you. Is it a weekday? Yes. I don't remember yeah. anymore. <laughs> it's been a while. So um, my name is Kate Leahy, and I'm a food writer. I used to be, um, I used to work uh, as a cook, a line cook in um, restaurants in Boston, San Francisco, and Napa Valley. Um, Ara's also, he's a chef. We wanted to start off to tell you a little bit about how we started writing this book, because it's a little unusual. We have a three, we're a three author team. John Lee, our photographer and co-author. Who unfortunately couldn't be here. Right, we had to go home to Singapore. Yeah, he lives but in Singapore, so. We're gonna, we're gonna pick up the slack yeah. for him. We took um, care of, we're taking care of Seattle. <laughs> we'll take care of Seattle, so. yeah. So we really wanted to come here too because Book Larder is such a special place for books and uh, such like a, a center for, for cookbook appreciation. Um, so we wouldn't have missed it. Um, and um, I always love to, to stop by, try to get here as often as I can. We'll start off on our conversation telling a little bit about how the three of us all came to, to work together. John is Taiwanese-American. I'm Irish-American. Not a drop of Armenian blood in two of the co-authors. They're totally and Armenian. And then we found this guy. Completely Armenian. <laughs> you know, we just yes. went on, on, on Craigslist. I think it was Tinder. <laughs> we were swiping. But we don't remember so, so if it's no. right or left. Or yeah, whatever. Uh, we're not really sure. Yeah. So I was working on a cookbook called uh, Burma Superstar. And John Lee was actually the photographer for that project. He had just come back from a three-week trip to Armenia. Yes. And three days after arriving in San Francisco, he ended up flying to, with me to, to Yangon, Yangon so we could work on the Burma Superstar book. This is highly unusual. His life is usually not as interesting. My yes. life is usually not this interesting. It's totally normal when you're in Armenia, <laughs> then you fly to Yangon. Right. It's a total, total it's a normal, normal thing. Yeah, a chain of events. Life of a cookbook author. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're about to board a flight that's, we're going to be stuck on a plane together for a very long time. And he says, dude, a lot. So he's like, dude, dude, you got to check out my photos from Armenia. And I'll back up a little bit. Um, John was in Armenia to teach uh, food photography to Armenian high school students through this um, wonderful organization. organization. It's, a, it's, it's, the, it's, it's probably the world's greatest after-school program. 
they teach technology, they uh, get people like the tops of their field all around the world to come out and teach work workshops. It's called Tumo. So everyone knows. knows. Tumo is yeah, it's a really, really fantastic uh, organization. He was invited yeah. there because he happened to have you just takes one Armenian friend, and once you know one Armenian friend, you know everyone in the right? community. <laughs> so, so John was invited by his Armenian friend to come to um, Yerevan to teach this food photography workshop. And while it, he was there, it was really he felt that it was the students who were teaching him more than he was teaching them because they went to villages, they went to different parts of Yerevan, and he was able to see up close how passionate Armenians are about their food, food. and how amazing the food really was in Armenia. So he's on this plane. He's still really excited about Armenia, and he starts showing me the photos. And immediately, this whole world opens up. It's it's this beautiful, evocative photography. You see, you see Lake Sevan with trout drying in the sun. You see uh, mulberries just strewn on a um, blanket, blanket, just like Blankets. from people picking um, picking mulberries. And you just uh, everywhere you go, you see this amazing lava spread. So. I was looking at it from a, a food writer perspective, thinking there's a really great story here. And, and it also reminded me when I was in college, I randomly by chance, of course, you have a good Armenian American friend and you get Armenian to know. Neighbor. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you get to know um, how, how generous people are with their food and their food culture and sharing it. So I wrote a thesis in undergrad um, at UC Davis called Cookbooks and Armenian American identity. It's a bestseller. Bestseller, yeah, I wish it were a bestseller. But it was like I spent a year um, really researching um, Armenian culture, Armenian cookbooks, and, um, but it had been a long time since I had thought about Armenia. And here's John, we're on our way to you know, Yangon, and he's talking about Armenia again. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy, because I, I know how passionate Armenians are about their food, but I actually don't know much about the country of Armenia. I only know about the diaspora in the US, which is a completely different um, world, really. Completely. So we knew we had an idea here, and we would love to put together a book, but we knew the two of us were not the complete picture. We needed to form a team who could really put this book together. Enter this guy. I, know. I don't know how we found this guy, but we did, so. Uh, my name is Ara Zeta. <laughs> I'm a chef. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, California. So. First time I went to Armenia was about five years ago. So I was a late bloomer to Armenia. And growing up, I had everything that I ate, I thought was Armenian food. I thought this was Armenian cuisine. My mom would make Armenian food. I'd love it. I went to Armenia and they didn't have anything that I was used to eating. I was like, where's my manta? Where is, where is all the dishes I grew up with? And the cuisine was completely different. And I had to basically search out and find all these dishes that I fell in love with the first time I went there. When I was back home, my entire family would look at this one cookbook. The, Whenever they needed... This one, this one it famous was cookbook. A famous, it was called the Complete Armenian Cookbook. It was by Alice Bejian. Everybody in my family, every friend, everybody that wanted a recipe in Armenian would look at this book. And it wasn't so complete. Like later well, in my chefy, it was actually, it was extremely complete <laughs> to the other end. Cause in my chef world, I looked in it and there is like chili relleno in it and Chinese chicken and vegetables in it. And there's Greek moussaka in it. So it's, it's very complete, not so much Armenian food. So, I mean, there's, there's other stuff, but it's a lot of diasporan. So I had an, I thought there is a gap in the market essentially for Armenian cuisine. I ended up meeting John, 
the John who's usually First standing picture here. John. Yeah. Picture John. <laughs> I ended up meeting John through Tumo. So Tumo, that after school program, they invited me to go do a cook, uh, what was it, a cooking workshop. And they basically put me and John at the same table together before I went to my workshop because the director knew that John had an idea of a book. So he kind of put us, they, she put us at the same table together. And then uh, the wheels started turning. John asked, he was like, hey, can I bounce some ideas off of you? Uh, can, we, can we get together? And I said, sure, it'll be great because I love the fact that he wanted to do a cookbook about Armenian cuisine. And then he's talked it over with Kate a couple months, fast forward. And they said, well, let's do a three-part co-author for an Armenian cookbook. So wheels started turning. We wrote our proposal. Well, we kind of had to have, you know, we had a lot of back and forth on what we call this book. Because our first idea, It was Armenia the the Cookbook. cookbook. (laughs) And it would have taken a decade to write this (laughs) book. We would live there. We'd probably still be writing it for the next 10 years. And then every single Armenian would yell at us. So we would go somewhere and be like, that's not how you make doma. That's not how you make that. That's not how you make this. So the big, the big picture was we needed to go to Armenia and actually travel village to village to gather recipes and include them in the book to where nobody at one of these talks would be like, that's not an Armenian dish. We'd be like, well, we found it in the middle of a village. So that's what they're making in Armenia. At least in that village. At least in that village, which we will get into later. Right, right. Uh, so, so we decided instead of doing... Armenian diasporan food or like Russian Armenian food. And for those of you who don't know, there was a genocide and the Armenians kind of split out. So Armenian influence came from their country that they lived in. So there was Lebanese Armenian cuisine. There's Russian Armenian cuisine. There's Turkish Armenian cuisine, French Armenian. So writing that book. Armenian American cuisine. Armenian American cuisine, which is like my version with hot sauce. But um, that would be very difficult. You you put hot sauce on it. That's how it is. It's it's delicious. So we decided we'd gonna, we're going to travel through Armenia, gather recipes, but we were kind of hung up on the title of the book. Right. So, you know, Armenia, the cookbook wasn't the right fit, but we really knew that bread was a key part of, of our, our recipes. Yes. But we also had ideas like barbecue, like korovats. So we want to do bones, broth, and, and barbecue. barbecue. And that was going to be the name the of the book. Triple B's. Yeah, it was yeah. going to be. It was, and it, our agent was like, no, mm-mm. no, I'm like going to have a hard much. time yeah. selling this book anyway and calling it that is yeah. not going to help. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was a little challenging. And then our, it was our agent that actually said, why don't you guys just call it Lavash? You guys keep talking about Lavash. Right. Lavash is the center of every Armenian table. It's included in every dish when you're eating. It's Lavash. It's, it's, the, it's the circle of everything. And we were like, this is genius. It's perfect. This it is all perfect. started fitting in together because um, even the earliest talks I had with John about this book, he kept going back to the first time he had a tonier lavash. And a tonier is a clay oven essentially in the ground. It's buried about four feet deep. Imagine a gigantic clay vase that's three inches thick and it's buried about four feet in the ground. And you start a, like a proper wood fire in the bottom. And once the coals get hot and the walls kind of get extremely hot, they, they spread out the dough and slap right. it on the side. Right. They, sp- they, they stretch the, it over. Stretch over a pillow. It's like-, like, it's honestly, when you watch them do it, it's like a full sports team. So there's like a lady, she's kneading the dough. The other Another one just one chucks it over and she throws it over there and she rolls it out. Some ladies, she whips it around like this and then slaps it onto this gigantic pillow and boom. boom. 
and it goes on the side of the wall. 30 Another seconds later, she pulls it, it off, and then it's like, hut, hike, and they just keep going around, and so it's magical. It's, it's a magical really experience. Amazing. And once we locked down and calling it Lavash, everything fell into place. We knew that breads would be a cornerstone of the book, but we would also be able to have other recipes in it because you always serve Lavash on the table with a lot of different foods. Exactly. So, so we then, we had the team, we have the, the, the book name, now we need to go to Armenia. And Kate and Jana has already been to Armenia. Kate hadn't been to Armenia been at this yet. time. So she was a little bit hung up. She was like, how are we just going to gather these recipes? We did have we a, had like a, a list. recipe list, but I thought we don't actually, in my uh, you know experience, I thought, well, how are we going to actually fill out this recipe list? I don't know how to make this dish. How are we going to find someone who's going to like show us how to And make a lot this of them, like I had ideas of what was going to be in the book and things that I thought were targeted. And John had taken a lot of pictures of recipes. So we were calling people in Armenia, like, oh, we need this recipe recipe and this recipe and this recipe. And then Kate was like, how are we going to get these recipes? Right. I said, don't worry. When we get there, people are just going to open doors for us. They're going to hand us over everything just because we asked, just because we walked in. And she's like, I don't believe it. <laughs> so we end up going, we're like super pumped. We walk into Goom Market, which is in the middle of Yerevan, which is the major city. And Goom Market's like this big, gigantic market where there are these lavash ladies that like span from here to like across the street, it seems like. Just and a row just like of women rows and rows lavash. of lavash that they make from the village and they bring, they sell there. And then here comes Kate and I. We got our notebooks. We're we got pumped. our pens. It's like, give us the recipe. <laughs> give it to us. So the ladies kind of start arguing, and one lady says, Oh, you need droj, and one lady says this, and, and then somebody says, like, what, what What's droj? And you're like, what's We're hung droge? up. My Armenian isn't the best. So and mine I, is I non-existent. Can, no, it's almost there. <laughs> I can say thank she's, you. Yeah, she's really good at thank you now. Um, they, so we're, we're pumped, but we don't know what they're saying. And then we soon find out that droj means yeast. It's dry active yeast. It's like a slang term. It's in Russian, actually. And they're arguing so much. And all the research we've done in the States for what you're supposed to use. We saw some crazy recipes. <laughs> so people put baking soda, some people put baking flour, yogurt. some people put yogurt. Yeah. So there's all sorts of things. So we're like, this isn't gonna quite work. Let's look at what they really do in the village that makes Tonir Lavash and, and then recreate that as best as we can back home. Exactly. So, so, so Goom only could take us so far. Going to the market where the women who sold it could take us, a, like we knew that there was yeast was an important part of it. Yeah. But we didn't, we knew we didn't have the, the whole picture. So we needed to go to the village and really just spend time with the women making lavash, ask questions. And, um, and that's, that's what we did. We went to this village called Argel. Argel. It's about 20 minutes outside of Yerevan. Um, and we, we drive up. It looks like it could be someone's garage. It's a garage. Thinking, it looks like a garage, open? but it's a bakery. We're, it's a full know. functional bakery. Oh right. And, and we just like kind of walk in and like we all just tumble out of this car. We've got notebooks. We've got cameras. And these women are just and like. And we're just in their business. But they're right. happy to, they are yeah. happy to have us. It was, it was amazing. And we're, we're kind of in the back. We're just kind of snooping through. And then we find out there's a thing called tutchamor. Tutchamor is basically a sourdough starter more or less. It's old dough. So we're like, okay, well, how do you get the old dough? And do you use droj? And they were like, no, we don't use droj, which is the yeast. And we were going back and forth, but we ended up, after going several times... And looking at their ingredients they actually had at the bakery. And then we found, finally, this little bin. With, with yeast in it. And so it turns out that they eventually, at some point, they start their starter with yeast. 
but they continue to use this old dough. And since it's a bakery, it's right. almost like they forget. They're willing to give you everything, but they don't know the answers to the questions you're asking. Right. They so don't know what you don't know. They don't know what you don't know. So we, we've, we, got, we came in contact with a lot of people that were just like, yeah, of course you do that. And yes, right. of course you do well, that. Do you do this? That was pretty much like every recipe. It's like, well, do you add salt? Of course you, of add, course salt. you add salt. Well, you didn't well, tell us Do you that. add vinegar at like, any point? Of course Not you. for the bread, yeah. but for other recipes. Of course. Yeah, we had a lot of of courses. <laughs> of course. But uh, so this, this yeah. old dough, we found out basically they take a small amount of yeast, they start this old dough, and then they continue to put this old dough into their large batch of dough that they start. They mix it all up. They make their lavash. The next day, they take that piece, like They save, save one it. piece of dough that they don't bake. And then they put then, that in. Yeah. yeah. It's basically, yeah. A, it's, and it's a so, small amount, uh, but it adds that that slight sourness, that crispiness, that it gives a slight leavening a to it, it gives that puff. Them. It was difficult to find out after a long time of searching, but this is what it is. It's an old dough. It starts with tutchamor, and if anybody knows Armenian cooking, it's tutchamor, not drosh. <laughs> just, just, I just right. want to clarify right. that. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and the way, um, just to fast forward, the way we ended up doing it in the U.S. is we thought, okay, well, it would be great if we could have a recipe for building your, your own toner. And we wanted to do that. We wanted to build one at my house. It just, we had to write a book. So it was a little yes. bit difficult. Yeah. And then, my, <laughs> so, um, and I live in an apartment in San Francisco. I wasn't going to have uh, gonna be a toner in my, what, yeah. Somewhere. Why yeah. not? Come so, on. <laughs> right. Why not? Next Come on, time. Yeah. Right. So, um, so, so we did some research right. and probably the best way to do it is what we put in the book is taking a walk and flipping it upside down over a gas burner will get you that super high heat. So you can kind of slap it on top. So it's like a sage if you guys know what a sage is. But it basically, the upside down walk method is what we use. So you can recreate that tonier experience because you've got this super high heat and then you can actually turn it off halfway through. So it, it kind of right. cools down. A griddle works well as well, yes. um, like a pancake griddle that goes over two burners. Yeah. Um, and even like an electric, I mean, not an electric, but a gas grill A works. gas grill. Just like if you're doing pizza on the grill, you can do lavash on the grill. It goes really quickly. What you want is that intense heat for a short amount of time so you get blisters but it doesn't dry out the dough completely exactly um, but so so we had fun with that recipe and then we as we're learning that recipe we're learning about a lot of other things are right, we had to talk about our favorite thing we had at the um bakery at argel yes. oh okay so this was like this was kind of a mind-blowing we were, moment for we were kind of there during a lunch hour the, the simplicity of Armenian cuisine really shines with the ingredients that they have. So it's not a lot of spices. It's not heavily seasoned. It's not, it's fresh ingredients. And we were there during their lunch hour. So they kind of invited us over. And this lady, she pulls out this bucket or bowl of boiled potatoes. Just boiled potatoes with salt. That's it. That's there was nothing to it. And then they just take this fresh boiled potato, wrap it in the lavash fresh and lavash. hand it over. Yeah. And I'm like... From LA, this is like a potato sandwich, <laughs> carb on carb. It was kind of going to be much. We both amazing. took a bite. We were like, whoa, this is the best thing we've had in a very long time. It, it was, was incredible. It was like the potato felt, it was such a good quality potato. It felt like it was infused with butter. Yeah. So you had this delicious potato. But it was just water and salt. Flatbread. And it was so and perfect. Was it was so yeah. good. And some pickles, some fresh pickles, pickles that were side, made. Always. It yes. was incredible. And we keep talking about that. Yeah, this potato, this potato sandwich. sandwich. I was actually there a few weeks ago and we talk about that experience and I was like, nothing can really top this. The lady gave me, she's like, the, the same, bakery. same bakery. She's like, you take this burnt lavash 
and then you put it inside the soft lavash, and then you have a lavash sandwich. And I was like, no, this is too much. And I, and I was like, this works. Because it was slightly bitter inside. It was like soft and chewy on the outside. It was awesome. I was super pumped. So I eat so, potato sandwiches and bread sandwiches now. Okay, yeah, it's a thing. That's the Armenian way. The right. book itself is not just baking recipes, though. We did travel through, and we did find a lot of things. And then we found a lot of things that do incorporate lavash different than what we as Westerners would imagine. So it wasn't just eating lavash at the table. We found one of my favorite dishes, hands down, is trout wrapped lavash. So that's very common out there, not very common here. Ishkan, which is trout in Armenian, is very populated inside their largest body of water, which is Lake Sevan. And you take trout, and then you put a big pat of butter in the middle, you put some tarragon inside, and then you wrap it, you salt and paprika, paprika it, it, and yeah. then you wrap it in lavash, and then you put it in the oven and bake it 10 to 15 minutes, it comes out super simple, super fast. It comes out like fish on papillot. If you guys know what that is, it's fish cooked in paper. So basically it steams perfectly inside this lavash, outside super crispy, inside soft, perfectly steamed trout that has the chewy lavash. You eat the outside, the inside, it was incredible. And it's like two very easy things to do. And I make it all the time. Well, another thing about lavash too is that we found it wasn't just something you ate. It was like the perfect biodegradable like takeout container. Yes. So, say, say you go to like, um, you go to get chorovats, which is Armenian style barbecue. barbecue. And you, you get the, the, the skewered meat. A lot of times it's pork in Armenia, which is another thing that's different from Western Armenia. Yeah, meat. lots of pork in Armenia. And so you take it off the skewers and you wrap it. Like the everything goes in. Maybe there was skewers of potatoes. Maybe yes. skewers of, of pork or, or other types of meat. Oh, they do potatoes just, lined with fat, pork fat in the middle. And then they just, gr- oh, They man. grill it. Then they just put it all in your <laughs> big lavash. They wrap it up. Give it to you, and that's your takeout. It's you know? so good. So it, it's, it's pretty so mind-boggling. You know? Yeah, just... I mean, there's. let's talk about the, the Goris experience. Yes. So Goris a... is a region down south. And in Goris, they're very famous for their beans. And they're very similar to burlati beans. I would say burlati beans, cranberries. cranberry beans. They're, they're speckled. They're a little bit like pinto, but a little larger. Yeah. So they're super, super famous. And everyone's like, you've got to have the beans in Goris. And we end up going to this this hotel with a bunch of ladies and they're, they're all coming together and they're going to teach us about they're these Godis beans. all talking at once. And they're, they're, their accent's so thick because they have like a southern accent in <laughs> Armenia. So I don't understand them. Our translator doesn't understand them. They're just all yelling at each other. It was like... We, I, I, I pulled out my phone and I was like, just beans. filming them. I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> and we ended up just kind of backing away and we got some nice other lady that took us to her home and made us. Right. It was a little less controversial. It was just like, let's just We're Like, see. yeah, you'll take us to your house suite. Let's go. And we went and she made us beans seven different ways. She just had bean recipe after bean recipe. Bean one of them, soup. She, she pulled out a meat grinder. She pulled out a meat and grinder. And put meat, beans through the meat beans grinder. Beans and walnuts. It didn't make the book. But it, it was, was, good, but it was yeah. good. It was like a meat, uh, a bean pate. pate. Yeah. She made bean soup. She made the one thing that was, it blew our minds. So she takes these Godis beans. She mashes them up with some onions in a like pan. Like a refried bean kind More of. More like or less, Armenian yeah. Flavors. And she uses kharn gananchi. She means mixed greens. And basically all of Armenia has these bouquets of greens. And you can find them anywhere. It's like a dozen roses, but it's a bouquet of herbs. And it's, this is actually one of my favorite things about um, Armenian cooking in Armenia you can go to the market and instead of having to buy your bunch of you know parsley your bunch of cilantro your bunch of 
tarragon, uh, tarragon and dill. Tarragon and dill and purple basil. You get them all in one bouquet. And it's just, they, you, and you take all of them and you and chop, chop them all, them all up together. And it's amazing. So she throws this inside the beans. And I was like, what's this lady doing? This is crazy. She takes lavash, she cuts it into strips, so these long strips, and takes about a tablespoon and then wraps them kind of like a paper football or like a samosa and then fries them. And it was like a bean triangle of heaven. It was amazing. And then she takes all the extra bits that she has and throws those into her frying pan. Chips. So she makes yeah. chips. So we have like bean lavash. We have, and it's, it's one of the greatest, it's like a little bureg, if you guys know what bureg is, or a spanakopita. And it just goes beans inside and it was amazing. And then we had the soup, bean soup, and then we had the bean paste, and There's then we had a really long car ride, and it was very special. And I had to deal with this guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. I basically have two brothers now. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Projects. We drove a couple more hours in. Windows let's, up. Let's talk about one last, one last <laughs> recipe using a lavash that, um, that blew your mind. And I think like, R is a big football fan, probably evidenced by his hat. But um, one of the things that like the you best. can't get enough of. Uh, is it's this, my favorite. So, so John, when he went on his first trip in 2015, he's like, yeah, there was this wonderful dish I, I had. And he had it in a northern city of Gyumri. So we talked about Goris, which um, there is a map in the, in the book of our journey. Yeah, but Goris is down in the where south. Our path. Gyumri is up in the north, the north, north of Yerevan. And there he said, yeah, there I, I went to this woman's home. And we had a soup made with strips of lavash. Cheese, cheese and, and water. Wa disgusting. And we're thinking, disgusting. this doesn't sound that like sounds string terrible. cheese and water and bread. Water just, and cheese and bread? I don't want that. Nobody how this wants that. Together. We're like, okay, well, we need to go to Gyumri and discover what really, what the soup really it was. It blew my mind. They took lavash, they cut it up into these little squares, and then they take shredded string cheese, and then they layer it, bread, string cheese, lavash, string cheese, lavash, string cheese in a bowl. And then they top it with caramelized onions and butter. And then they pour hot water over it and bake it. And then basically the water melts with the cheese. After about 10 minutes, it comes out of the oven, Armenian mac and cheese. <laughs> I was like, no way. And now every time I, I like, I have my friends over and stuff, I make the good foods and stuff and everyone's having a good time and it's late night, they go, all right, Banochash time. It's called Banochash. It's cheese. And your Armenian friends in LA had never No idea. Banochash. Nobody, when I've explained this, so chash is a, is like a cow foot soup, which is a very traditional dish. And when I explain Banochash to people, which is like cheese, they think it's cow foot soup with cheese in it. Nobody knows. So they go, yeah, chash. And I go, no, no, banar chash. And they go, no, no, chash. And I've talked to people from Armenia and they don't know what it is. But if you go to the north, everybody makes this. Everybody's grandma made it for the kids, people in Yerevan. But it's a very, very common thing and it's incredible. So end of the night, it's always banar chash time. It's, so it happens quick. It happen in it, oh, yeah, I'm making yeah. banochash happen. It's a thing now. <laughs> so another thing, though, just um, to, to pivot a little away from um, lavash, is that when we were meeting with either bakers or women in their home kitchens or a, a chef at, at a restaurant, which were, were, were freer and far between, it was mostly home cooking, mm -hmm. but um, it was just the incredible generosity. So here I was worried I, we wouldn't have enough recipes because I thought, I don't know how we fill up a book where I haven't <laughs> been to the country and I'm just having a Believe this guy that we're gonna find enough recipes, it's terrible. You don't like, enough people me. to help us find these recipes. 
Please. And it, and it was just this incredible generosity. It was really people who didn't want anything back from us. They Not just were happy all. we asked. I mean, and we went into the bakery, the bakery in Gyumri to get our manakash recipe, which right. is bread pulled with fingers. And we walk right in. We're like, this bread looks amazing. We want the recipe. And they literally like, just... okay, okay, come on in. Trade secrets. They stood back there. They gave us everything. And, and then... then Somebody ran up to some house nearby and then came down with fancy cups of coffee. And then yeah. they sat. Sewage. And we spent so much time. We spent hours in this uh, bakery. And we were like, okay, we have to give something back. We need, we need to, like, Can buy. We buy more bread. Well, we bought, like, ten loaves of bread and, like, stockpiled our car. It was only a couple dollars. And then so, we thought, can we pay for the coffee? Can yeah. Can we do something? And they said, no, no, no. So I was like, okay, you know what we're going to do? Is this we got to we got to team this up. Didn't work. We're gonna yeah. team up. Everyone just watch me. I put like money underneath the coffee, and I was like, "Thank you guys. We're gonna go." And then we just booked it, and we walked down the street, and here comes this lady sprinting. <laughs> you left your money down the block. You left your money. <laughs> you left your money, and I was like, "Ah, oh, no, that's for you." And they're like, "No, no, no it's rude. It's rude. So. Just." Just come back next time you're here. It was, I mean, the, the generosity is second to none. It's hard to explain. It is hard to explain, but it was also just, it was really heartfelt. And and I think that's the thing about Armenia as a country. Um, it's a place that a lot of people don't really know exactly where it fits in in the grand scheme of things. Like, it's a tiny country. It's maybe the size Massachusetts, Maryland with only About, maybe three million people. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of landlocked, so it's it's got Turkey on this side, Georgia, the country, not the state, and then over <laughs> here there's Azerbaijan, and then down here there's Iran. So it's kind of landlocked, and and it's just this tiny little country that With has an incredible history. Has an incredible history. It's, it's dramatic. It's tragic. It, it it's still kind of tragic. But right, but when we were there, it was this really uplifting time to be in Armenia because we happened to be there on our second research trip. We hadn't planned this, but we happened to be there during their Velvet Revolution. We planned our trip around the 20, April 24th, which is like the genocide memorial time. And we wanted to go and document the long march. So like, that's what we the need to do. To the, the long yeah. march to the memorial that, that they do there. And we we're like, we have to be there for the 24th. There needs to be one or two shots of like the memorial. Uh, and you can see it in the book. Like there, it's beautiful pictures. And we just happened to show up a couple of days into a revolution which was kind of nuts. So we ended up having to do all our reporting and research for the second trip during the Velvet Revolution, which was, I mean, we had roadblocks. We had, we had, we had some awesome experiences. Yeah. We had a, a hard time because traveling. So the revolution was a peaceful revolution. Basically, it was civil disobedience. It started with the youth, and what they would do is just block the roads. They would literally just stand in the roads and say, okay, traffic can no longer go through. And it wasn't like we're blocking the roads, standing there like this. It's like we're singing, dancing, we're barbecuing, we're having a good time. Right. And then everybody kind of joined in. The second day, unfortunately, we were there late. And John, our, our third co-author. But um, he comes from a, a photojournalist background. So you'll, see, you'll notice in the book, the photography in there, it's a mix of food photography as well as photojournalism. So he, he's in a revolution. His Chicago Tribune photojournalism brain just clicks War on. photographer. And then he starts documenting the revolution as if he's a photojournalist. He's right. Um, Nikol Pashinyan, who Which is, is the prime, now, now prime, prime minister, minister. The at, revolutionary that became prime minister. Right. He's marching down the street and... 
John is like just like a professional photojournal, right in front, in getting front. his footage. Awesome pictures, away. just firing away. Those are on our blog, not in the book. Some some of them are, but uh, what he ended up, um, whatever ended up happening, is it Here was comes, the one day. Yeah, it was a one day. The yeah. old prime minister decided we're going to take him. So they want to capture Nicole at this point, and John's like right there firing away while there's this like long march happening, and here comes riot police, and then all of a sudden they try to disperse the crowd with flash bombs. John's standing there, boom, flash bomb between his legs. So he ends up getting cut up, which he ends up being the only casualty of the Velvet Revolution, the only, the only a person, a Taiwanese American yeah. coming to Armenia to shoot a cookbook. A cookbook. He's been to war, taken, but no, never got hurt. Velvet Revolution, only person that got hurt. Yes. And his wife was not happy with No, him. definitely not. And Kate and I come, and for some reason, when you land in Armenia, you always land at 2, 3 a.m. I don't know what the deal is, right. but you're all, it's always late. So we come, and John texts us. He's like, I got a crazy story for you. We're like, oh, okay. okay. He, we show up to the apartment. The, the elevator door is open. He's in his underwear. He's like, I got blown up. And he's just got this big, like, hack mark so on his head. He had that stitches. That kicked off our, our research trip on the yeah. second time. But one of the things um, also that I wanted to, to make sure we talked about was The roadblock. No, let's talk about the roadblock. First, Jingle of Hots. Jingle of okay, I got it. Yeah. Jingle of right. Hots. So, There's so much. I know. I know. We want to keep it interesting. But we um, think of Goris and the Bean story. From there, we drive to Stefanikert, which is the capital of the Republic of Artsakh. And Artsakh is it's a conflict zone. It's not yeah. recognized by everyone. Google tagged us as is it Azerbaijan like right. when we're in there it gives us Azeri weather so what happened when we were there we went there specifically to document Jingle of Hots yes um, this is the famous bread of Artsakh it's something that is made um, it's a very simple flatbread but what's so interesting about it is how many herbs and greens get stuffed inside, inside. so they right. say they say in Artsakh that the old way of doing it was they used 22 different herbs and greens inside and we spoke to the minister of culture <laughs> He was an interesting fellow. He was interesting, yeah. <laughs> but he said, he said, my grandparents used to make it with 22 different herbs and greens. And now my, my wife <laughs> is making it with 17 different herbs and greens. And, and soon my daughters will make it with seven. Because Everyone's the younger just getting generation lazier. just gets too lazy. We're like, why don't you just go make it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of this dish, though, is, is that you take fresh dough. You roll it out, it happens very quickly. You roll the dough kind of on the spot, you let it rest, and, and you take a gigantic pile of fresh herbs and greens. They're not cooked. A little bit of oil, salt, pepper, and you pile them obnoxiously high. Yeah, higher than you would think would fit in the, in the bread. And then you kind of like bound it together, and then you cook it on a griddle or an upside down wok, and all the greens cook while the dough is cooking, and it comes out like this, and it's completely vegan. It's a vegan quesadilla. That's kind of what I tell everybody. It it's like it, the, the greens don't leak into the dough. You got crispy on the outside. And the beauty is you can kind of do it with any greens that you have. Right, right. You don't have to go to Artsakh and collect 22 20 different plus greens. In, in Artsakh, still get a really good we green. had a hard time picking out what these herbs and greens were. Like, it, We if, would taste it and, and we're like, how come everything is mountain sorrel? You Google it, everything they tell you what it is. They go, oh, it's sorrel. it's sorrel. And then you like, something's this big. Is sorrel from the mountain? Oh, this is so, no, this is sorrel from the land. This is from the mountain. <laughs> sorrel from the water. Everything was mountain. It's happened like that with urts too. Urts right. is time. So you tell somebody, oh, what's this? They go, this is urts 
from the mountains. And then Urts, this is wild Urts. This is regular Urts. We're like, it can't all be thyme. Um, so, right? This so isn't working. we would working. taste it. And we're like, this is what we would call like, summer savory. This is savory. This is what, like, this was, we had to do a little, like, yeah, investigation. Yeah, we, we did a lot of investigation. investigation. But that also just highlights the importance of herbs in the cooking of Armenia. It's, it's not, like Ara said, it's not really based on spices. It's based on herbs, abundance of herbs, lots of combinations of herbs. Parsley and cilantro together is something that a lot of people don't think about. In, in Armenia, it's incredibly common. And so you have this beautiful flatbread, and we got the recipe, and we're time to leave Stefana Kurtz. And this is when we start, to, we start to head out of Artsakh, and we hit the border of Armenia. So, yeah. As Velvet you, Revolution still going on. In this tiny little mining town, these villagers <laughs> needed to get in on the action. They were bored. They, they wanted to have some fun, so they decided to do a roadblock in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And there's no way around this thing <laughs> at all. And we were there for hours. So we're standing there. And finally, we had this wonderful woman who was our translator. Wait, the leader, the leader of the group, random leader. With the one is, in the jumpsuit? Is, yeah, he's got a full track suit <laughs> on. Track suit. And he's just getting drunker and drunker. And every time they're like, hey, we're going to let these people through, he's like, no, 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 no. And then they start arguing, and then it's done. So our, our translator. She, she's like, and very quietly and very humbly, she said, perhaps you're international journalists, and perhaps... You need to get through the roadblock so you can keep reporting on the revolution. Genius. John so puts all John, of his the, cameras he, on. Like, we have like our the photojournalist mode. Yes, photojournalist, and he's just we firing have the away. I get my Cage. note pad and, and I'm I, like asking questions. And I'm the driver. <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> we couldn't have the Armenian yeah, guy being was, like, yeah, I just didn't say anything. So I would ask questions that would be like, oh, so what is happening with the revolution? What do you, what do you hope for to the results? And what are you growing in that field over there? Yeah. It's like the local uh, like, uh, specialty. It worked. It, it did. It Potatoes really, were grown in one part. Yeah. that out. What the people were having for lunch as they were protesting. Korobots, they were going in their van, eating yeah. it up. It was great. It yeah. worked. They eventually let us through, not before they told us we need to go up to the mine to get the people out of the mine. So they could join, so the, they revolution. Could join the revolution. They said, that's not what international yes. journalists do. We need to keep going. They, <laughs> they let us through finally, which was awesome. The next roadblock we came on was near Lake Sevan, and this time we had it down. We kicked the doors open. We charged an international journalist. They got this, and they're like, oh, they rallied around us. They talk, and Kate's like, this is great. What kind of desserts does your mom make? <laughs> so, you, know, you never know. I mean, you yeah. something. And they let us through. It was a couple minutes. I was like, we got this. this. We're writing the craziest cookbook right now. <laughs> so... So really, this, this cookbook, you know, to sum, summarize it, it really took us around Armenia and Artsakh. We met a cast of amazing characters. We uh, met really, really generous uh, people who shared so much with us. So, so many much of recipes. Their knowledge. And our goal, really, with this book is that there hasn't been a lot of contemporary Armenian cookbooks written. There really um, hasn't by, been any. Like a, by a publisher, like a nationally distributed publisher. And our hope is with this book, we can open up the door so more Armenians, Armenian-Americans, Lebanese Armenians, lots of different types of Armenians can then make their own story. Maybe it's their family story. The, um, book, just to the really book is time and place in Armenia 
between 2017 to 2018. It's within the geographical borders of Armenia. So we traveled through and it's not saying that these dishes are age old Armenian dishes and they started in Armenia and these Armenian heritage. This is just what they're cooking in Armenia. So there, I mean, there are dishes in there like salata vinaigrette, which is a Russian dish. It's a Soviet dish that you can find anywhere in Armenia. It has beans. It does have gori. Yes. Yeah, and you if you're lucky, they're gori beans. Yeah, those gori beans are good. There, but there are these. There are several dishes in there that it's it's not staking claim. It's just that when you go to Armenia, this is what they're cooking. It's probably not nothing that you know of, but there's a beauty and simplicity to a lot of the dishes. And there's magic that's, that's happened out there. And it's showing the world that Armenia is a country, Armenia has a cuisine, and it's not necessarily the diasporan cuisine, it's what they're making in Armenia. And we'll see that shift over time. We, we saw there were a lot of Syrian Armenians moving into Armenia and bringing their spices. So it's only a matter of time before spices really start kind of influencing the culture. But if you leave Yerevan, you don't see, you see Anything paprika, different. Yeah. black pepper, and salt are That's the main it. seasons. Everything else is the herbs. It's all herbs. It's the herbs herb. and yeah. mountain Urts. sorrel. Mountain sorrel. <laughs> when, I, when I first went there, I looked for, for manta, which are these little dumplings, if you guys don't know, more or less. And there was only one restaurant I have it at my cooking class when I taught. I, say, teaching Armenian, I was teaching Armenian yeah. students. Seven out of ten of them didn't know what manta was, and none of them had tried it. Now, if you go today, there's like seven, eight restaurants that have it. So it's ever evolving. Armenia is changing very, very fast. This is a snapshot of what it looked like a year ago. It's in next year. It's going to be different. Things are moving in and a lot of things are changing. But what's not going to change is Lavash. Lavash will never it's change. not going to change. We yeah. want to keep it alive. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you to Kate Leahy and Arizada for visiting us in Seattle. As always, you can get 10% off a copy of Lavash and any other books featured on Booklarder Podcast by visiting booklarder.com and entering the code PODCAST at checkout. We have signed copies of many of the featured books, so get one of those while they last. And if you visit us in the shop, just mention that you heard about a book on the podcast for 10% off in-store as well. This episode was produced and edited by Abby Circatella. Our theme music was composed by James Coley. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review to help others find us. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where our handle is at BookLarder. For more information about BookLarder, including author talks, cooking classes, and to join our monthly email newsletter, visit BookLarder.com. And if you find yourself in Seattle, visit us in person at 4252 Fremont Avenue North. I'm Laura Hamilton. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.